Welcome to Thrive 9 to 5, a podcast all about how you can kick ass in the office and in life without feeling exhausted or overwhelmed. Each week, I'm sharing simple self-care strategies, mindset hacks, and time management tips so you can get promoted without burning yourself out. My goal is to help you create success without sacrificing your soul or your sanity. I'm your host, Celeste Harrington. Hey, Thrivers, how are you all? I have another amazing guest on the podcast today, and I want to preface this interview and tell you that we come in midway through one of our conversations. My friend and peer and colleague, Rachel Cole, comes on and talks about her experience with taking a break from alcohol, and we were just having a catch-up session, and our conversation just got so juicy and amazing. I was like, can we just start recording now? Because this is amazing. And so kind of hear that we come in mid-conversation, but we do a recap a few things throughout. So I know you're going to enjoy this. I really wanted to have Rachel come on and talk about her experience with sobriety as we start to approach the holidays and social engagements and all of the things, because this episode is being recorded at the beginning of November. Well, really mid-November. It's November 11th at this time. So <laughs> holidays, here we come. All right. I hope you enjoy this and I will talk to you next week. I remember the first like week COVID hit, I was getting all those like hard kombuchas, like mm-hmm. the flying ember grapefruit ones are my favorite. And I was like drinking them and I'm not a heavy drinker. I was like in college big time. Like mm-hmm. I think most people in college are alcoholics, but um, I don't drink very much at all. Like maybe a couple drinks a month. At most. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, I'm drinking one of these like almost every day. Like I know there's only like 4% alcohol, but this is out of my normal. <laughs> like what's yeah. going on? So yeah, people are freaking hitting the bottle. <laughs> like crazy. Totally. And I think it was one of those things where, you know, you hear so often people are like, well, I don't drink alone. Right. Like I only drink if I'm like socially right. And socially was like canceled for eight months. Like that was like not an option. I mean, yeah, we would sit on zoom calls with people and have drinks and that made it feel less like drinking alone, but there were so many more nights than most of us were used to just spent completely alone or like just with one other person where like if your partner that starts to feel the same as being alone and it's like, okay, I guess now I drink alone. Cool. (laughs) So I, I never even thought about that. Like never drinking alone. I'm sure I have drank alone for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't, I guess I don't think about that. Like that's so yeah. interesting. Yeah. I feel like most people say they don't and everybody yeah. kind of had to reevaluate that when they were inside I, alone or inside with one other person for nine months. Yeah. That's so uh-huh. crazy. Yeah. So like, okay, this is like kind of a personal question. You don't have to answer it. No, so like, what do you I'm do whenever you did take your, what is it? Nine months or eight months? Uh-huh. Nine off? months a nine months off, what did, um, you do when you had like face discomfort or uncomfortable emotions instead? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of the first time it was hard. Like I wouldn't say it was any harder than it ever had been when I drank. It was just that I didn't do the thing that like temporarily relieved it. So like what I started to notice with alcohol is it just postponed the discomfort. It never got rid of it. 
And whatever discomfort I felt like I was getting out of in the moment that I made the decision to drink or overdrink was my story, would just come back tenfold the next day in the form of a hangover, right? And so in the moment, I would go on random dates on Zoom or on FaceTime because I'm single and I would be sober. And if I was talking to somebody in the conversation just was not working for me, where having a drink in my hand or having the ability to like get a little buzzed would distract me from conversation that just wasn't doing it for me. I leaned into the discomfort and I I hate that expression, but I would be like, I got to go. And like, we're all in our houses. None of us has to go ever. We could literally be on a zoom call for the rest of time. At least that was true a year ago. And I would be like, I got to go. I'm not having fun. (laughs) And like, that is, I think the beauty of not altering your mindset ever with anything is you get to be like, wow, I tolerated so much when I was putting this substance into my body. And when I don't have the option of the substance, I either get to be really uncomfortable or exit a situation that makes me uncomfortable. Okay. That's like (laughs) Mike's dropping right now because we think we don't have the option to leave. Mm -hmm. Like I was just at a dinner a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago and I for sure drink out of discomfort and like anger for being there and irritation, like having to socialize people I don't want to socialize with. And I had two drinks and I was even considering getting like a floater for one of them because I was just like, please get me buzzed as fast as possible. Only only way I'm going to have fun. Right. That was my thought. Yeah. Got to add fun or like numb this out or whatever. Totally not a great mindset at all to have when you're consuming alcohol. I have had one drink since that. So yeah, I think I drink like once every other like week or two weeks or yeah. something. But um, yeah, like I didn't think that I could leave. Mm-hmm. I was with my boyfriend and like it was a family thing. So I felt obligated, but it's still yeah. an option to leave. Totally. To not be there. Yeah. It's an option to leave. It's also an option to, and I think this is so subtle and we don't realize that this is available too. So much of why we drink and why we like discomfort drink, which I kind of think we're doing all the time. Like, I actually don't think there is, like, I know you use the terminology buffering and like life coach yeah. school, whatever, but I'm hard pressed to come up with like a non buffering reason to consume alcohol. And I'm okay with that, right? Just like I'm hard pressed to come up with a non buffering reason to eat sugar. There's just absolutely no like, apart, I suppose, from like natural sugars, if you're diabetic, none of us is like, I need sugar for my health right? We need no. food to survive. I would even say certain like Netflix and books like enrich our mindset in a way that it like other things don't. So there's like ways you can non-buffer those things, but I feel like alcohol and sugar is just always a buffer. And I think anytime we're drinking, we are on some level trying to create a new emotional experience by exiting one that we're currently in. And when you're in a situation like that, yes, you can leave. You can also just like be uncomfortable in the situation. It's like, I don't care for the dentist. I never enjoy the experience. Like even if I'm just having my teeth cleaned, I'm like, this is not fun, but like, it's just going to be uncomfortable for the time that I'm there. Right. Same like the OBGYN. I'm never like, this is my favorite hour of the year. Never. (laughs) Right. But it's like, and nobody expects me to think it's going to be fun, but it's like, it's necessary and we get through it. And I think 
so much of our own mindset is like programmed to put an end to discomfort at all times. And it's like, sometimes I would literally just sit there and be like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. That's cool. <laughs> like I'm sweating. I feel nervous. It's weird. I don't want to be here. Cool. Fun. Just like a flip side to everything else that you enjoy and get to appreciate that stuff a little bit more. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking because I had a cookie last night. <laughs> I'm like, what was I feeling before I had this cookie? And I have had a hell of a week. It's like a really freaking stressful week. And um, with work, it's in a crazy five days. And um, yeah, I stress ate that cookie for sure. Like I was like, I just want like a yummy, delicious treat to like make me feel better. And like a pick me up, right? Yeah. Whatever, a treat, like rewarding ourselves because we earned it. I always talk to my clients about that, like earning or deserving something, you know, it never actually feels really good because you, Mm -hmm. you kind of have like a chip on your shoulder a little bit or about the experience. Like you don't have to earn or deserve anything. It goes back to what we didn't capture this, but you're talking about like your worth, like inherent worth. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly what you said, but something about what did you say? Something about being worthy yeah. without it or something? I can't remember. I started to notice that my quitting alcohol felt like a little bit of a holier than thou situation. Oh, that's I was right. Like, yeah. I am like now a really good person because I don't drink. And the solution to that thought error is not <laughs> go drink a bottle of wine. The solution is like, how can it be true that I'm a really good, worthy, deserving person, whether I drink or not? And the drinking is totally neutral. It's like what I'm making it mean about myself, making it mean that I'm like, you know, like I finally got my head on straight. It was a little bit of like bashing of a former version of myself that overdrank. And it's like, yeah, but I wouldn't be here sober for these nine months if I hadn't had all of the negative experiences that I had to get me here. And I just want to say, I drink wine from time to time now. And even though I can't come up with a non-buffering reason to do it, I still do it. I support drinking wine. If you are not an alcoholic, I support eating cookies. Like these things are not problems, right? These are things we get to do. I don't think any of us, you can buffer with thought work. You can buffer with yoga and running. You can buffer with really good things too, right? It's all about why you're doing it, not what you're doing. And is there a logical extreme to that? Maybe. Like, I don't know that I could ever really make the case for like abusing really hard drugs, but I think wine or a cookie here or there is like not a problem. It's when you're doing it and creating results that you're really unhappy with. That's when you get to stop and ask yourself, like, how can I change this behavior? Yeah. And I think too, whenever you're talking about just having something right, wine or like the sugar or whatever it is, like whenever we don't have that, there's always this weird thing about depriving ourselves Mm -hmm. and then it feels really shitty. Right. Sometimes we can't have something. It's like, totally totally can't have it. Yeah. It's like the choice, like you can leave this dinner if you really want to (laughs) do. You have a choice. Yes. And when you give yourself the choice and you acknowledge your power to be able to leave, that's usually when you choose not to. Right. It's like once I'm such a, like, I always tease my clients about like, as soon as they turn something into forbidden fruit, it's all they want. And I am that way. So of course my clients are that way too. And you know, whether you acknowledge it or not, if you're giving up alcohol, but believing that alcohol has this like massive control over you or sugar, it's like in a way, whether you're thinking about it because you're drinking it or thinking about it because you're not drinking it, either way, you're like drunk in your brain, (laughs) right? 
thinking about the thing, whether you're having it or not. So it's kind of like giving yourself the space to be like, I don't need to be in this deprivation martyr relationship with alcohol or sugar in order to feel like I'm a good person. I mean, Brooke talks about this all the time. The people that don't drink aren't like thinking about not drinking. It doesn't even cross their mind. And so she really was so clear about not just wanting to be a person that didn't drink, but to eventually become a person who didn't think about drinking. Yeah. It's so powerful. I'm kind of like giggling inside because I have a I was coaching a friend on um, eating these damn kettle chips, like those (laughs) salt and pepper kettle potato chips are so damn good. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I just have to eat the whole bag. And it was like this whole thing about being like essentially disempowered to this potato chip. And I like drew her a really funny like character of this potato chip with like a cape on, like with big muscles. Like, so this is a really powerful chip that has so much power over you. While I was like kind of joking about it, but it was like, so fascinating that you think that this little fried potato has so much power over you (laughs) to think that you can't stop eating it. I was like, you know, the food scientists have done a really good job. They're actually really good at their job and those food engineers to like make you think that. So Mm -hmm. fascinating, right? And it's just like a really funny way to look at how we think we're so disempowered over these substances, whether it is Mm -hmm. alcohol or sugar, potato chips, whatever it is. Yeah. And when you do think about it, whether you are drinking it or eating it or not, you still are disempowered. Yeah. 100%. And the solution isn't again, to like eat the whole bag or drink the wine and be like, I'm empowered because I did it. Right. But it's like making a conscious decision to not let that thing control you. It's like, we think something's gone wrong if we're uncomfortable. And it's like, that might be the solution though, to just be like, Oh, I just feel really uncomfortable sitting here dead sober at this dinner that I don't want to be at or putting this bag of potato chips back in the cupboard, not having eaten the whole bag. Our culture is so um, has normalized so much getting out of discomfort at every opportunity. So it's like to just sit in it feels like something must be wrong. I have to take care of this discomfort immediately. It is so fascinating. Like I, I don't pay much attention to the sober culture, but I have seen quite a bit of it just going into the mental health space, of course, mm-hmm. and coaching where sobriety and stop over drinking are definitely part of our curriculum for some of mm-hmm. the coaches out there. And um, you see it is socialized everywhere and like mommy juice and all those yeah. things or like you have a stressful day or even people talk about it. Like I can't tell you how many meetings I've been in where people are like actively talking about drinking. And I think once you are aware of it, you see it so much more You're like, Oh yeah this is odd. Is it that bad? Like, do we want to escape our life that much? Like it's so interesting. Yeah. I think I was talking about this with you before we started recording, but you know, my last relationship involved a lot of over drinking and my partner over drank. And I definitely over drank too, not because of him, but because of my own thoughts about the environments that we were in. And it was literally the irony, right. Of like, being in a bar and being like, I hate being here. Okay. I'm going to drink three vodka sodas to make myself <laughs> like it. Right. I mean, think about that for like a mind fuck that we're like, I hate being in this bar. So let me drink all of this alcohol to feel better about it. But yeah, I mean, the culture is everywhere. And I started to get to like, even after that relationship ended and I was just like at the start of COVID and looking forward to my two glasses of wine every night you start to realize that the whole day just feels like a race to the two glasses of wine. And I was like, is this 
my whole life, like especially in COVID that came into focus so clearly, I was like, is the best part of my day, two glasses of wine? Yikes. Like, whoa, that's wild, right? That like my entire headspace shifts based upon these like two increments of what, 30 to 50 minutes where I'm like working my way through a glass of red wine. That can't be like the best part of my day. I just won't accept that. It's like you said, I don't know if you're recording whenever you said this, but what we choose to tolerate. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I'm not tolerating this This is the best part of my day. Yeah, absolutely not. Right. There's so much more to my life. Like that just like gives me goosebumps thinking about that because it's so empowering. Like, I don't know. I think that when I think about this whole taking a break from alcohol and even the chips and the cookie, whatever, it's just like, I think we walk around just like feeling sombering is like so disempowered all the time. Like we think that things and people and alcohol and whatever have so much control over us. And of course there's the caveat to like alcoholism and substance abuse and those Mm -hmm. things, right. We're talking about people who don't identify or are not categorized or diagnosed um, Mm -hmm. in this situation. So I think about a world where we're all empowered people, like making the choice, like, and it makes me feel good and excited. Like we're supposed to, I have a, I have a wine shipment to pick up tonight. And I was like, Oh, we should like get a flight of wine or whatever. And it's like, it makes me feel good that to know that you get to question that decision. Like we could just go pick up wine and not drink at all. I've done that, done that plenty of times. I have so many bottles just sitting underneath our little bar area. I'm like, I still haven't drank any of these, like not a problem. Yeah. But then you get to make the choice too. Like maybe I will, maybe I won't. Like it's not a big deal. Yeah. And it's like, I do think there is like, I have celiac, right? And so I give no thought to whether or not I'm going to eat gluten. It's like not an option for me. If I do, I will throw up for two days. So it's like, that's just no matter how exciting a piece of pizza looks or smells. And believe me, it looks and smells very exciting to me, but like, it's not exciting enough to justify what's going to happen to my body afterwards. And I think I spend no time, right? But for sure there's discomfort, especially I was just talking about this with someone else. Like how many work lunches or like events have I gone to where it's like all that they have is like breaded stuff or pasta or pizza and like rolls and sandwiches and the gluten-free options is like a bowl of lettuce. I'm like, ugh, <laughs> lame, right? But it's like, I don't even consider the option of eating the bread because I know how my body's just gonna reject that. So it's like, I deal with my discomfort. I feel uncomfortable. I eat the lettuce or I don't. And I'm like, yeah, this is part of what happens when your body just doesn't metabolize gluten. And that is what it is. And I think for many people that is true with alcohol and some of them, it's a physical thing. Like they just don't, I have friends who like one drink and they feel hungover and they're like, screw this, I'm not drinking. I have other friends who just genuinely don't like the taste of alcohol and don't drink it. And then I have friends who are alcoholics and truly feel, I would say at this point, the way I do about gluten, it's like, it's just not an option because my body won't accept it. Like bad things will happen to me. I know it's different, but whatever. But it's like, at the end of the day, it's just not an option for them. Yeah. And I think you need to figure out you, not you personally, but like the royal you, right? We need to figure out like where we're at on that and be honest about it you can be an alcoholic and not drink. Like many are, right? I think many alcoholics continue to identify that way despite the fact that they don't drink. So really be honest with yourself. If you're feeling like 
you are beholden to this thing that is, like you said, outside of you in order to enjoy your life, that's when you really get to step back and challenge those thoughts and consider removing it forever or for a period of time long enough to show yourself that you have agency over it, that it's just a bottle and you don't have to open it. You don't have to consume it. And it's not required in order for you to tolerate things that you don't want to be tolerating. There's also nothing, nothing in this world that we have to tolerate ever. Truly. It's so interesting how hard people want to push back on that. Like, yeah, but like, I have to tolerate my kids. I have to tolerate my parents. I have to tolerate my job. You don't. Many people do not tolerate their kids. Many. That's why the foster care system exists tragically, right? Many people don't tolerate their jobs and they live on public assistance and they travel around and they stay with family and they crash with friends. Like this shit happens. And so if you're choosing to tolerate your kids and your job, own that choice because it puts you in such power and such agency where you don't need to escape your life all the time by having the highlight of your day be two or three or 10 glasses of wine. Yeah. At the end of the day, it really comes down to choice, right? Like Mm -hmm. we were talking earlier about these social circumstances that are coming up, right? Holiday parties, families, like the Thanksgiving and the Christmases and all the holidays and New Year's. And we think we have to do these things. So we feel obligated to be around Mm -hmm. certain people or in certain environments. I know actually my partner says these things all the time. Like I just have to go. I have to be part of the team. It's like, no, you don't like, are you going to get fired because of it? No, like you don't have to do any of this, but people feel so obligated to do that. And hence the drinking. They don't Mm -hmm. want to be there. Yeah. And here's the thing. Like he might get fired. Still doesn't mean he has to do it. Totally. Right. Totally. It's like, we don't have to do anything. There might be consequences. Like you don't even have to pay your taxes. You might go to jail if you don't, but you don't have to pay your taxes. Right. So it's like, none of it is mandatory. And yes, I think when we tell ourselves it is, and we don't bring ourselves back to the reasons why we're choosing, right. i I'm guessing since you're happily partnered, you don't coach your partner much unless he asks you to. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Not like he coaches me coaching. sometimes. <laughs> like, isn't that just the thought? I'm like, shut up. <laughs> like, where did you hear that? So good. But like, you know, if you actually give yourself the space to consider that it is all optional and that you don't actually have to go, then you really get to explore why you want to. And in all likelihood, it's so that we get to think better things about where we stand with those people, right? It's for our own enjoyment of thinking, which is, again, like we could choose those thoughts anytime, but it's like we opt into the thoughts like, oh, now my boss is going to be happy with me or now these people are going to like me. We actually don't know if they're happy with us or they like us. We're just choosing to believe that based on the fact that we're going to this party. And that thought makes it feel much more like an option and a choice that you're making instead of a situation you have to be in and therefore you have to drink to tolerate it. Yeah. And so much of what you were saying and what I was thinking is everything in that narrative is about the other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only thing that was really about the individual is like, I might get fired or whatever, but it's never about you and how you feel and what you're thinking. And it's just so fascinating that we are making, and it's true to most human beings that we make so many decisions to stay in, to stay in the crowd, to be in this like 
primitive, more tribal sort of socially accepted space yeah. where we're not exiled. And so at the end of the day, I guess it just comes back to tolerance, right? Are you willing mm-hmm. to tolerate your discomfort of choosing to go against swim upstream or your tolerance mm-hmm. to actually just go to the party and maybe not drink, but still yeah. go and be a part of that opportunity. I don't know. It's so interesting. Yeah. This is like such a fascinating experience and experiment. And I'm so glad that you have gone through it to like share this with everyone too, especially the taking a break part. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm an all or nothing person. You and your clients are, would you guys identify as where I can't remember. I like totally am spacing. Cause you're saying so many amazing things. I'm like <laughs> picking up everything you're saying. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm getting a coaching session right Do now. Do you like how, like I said the things and I'm like, I have no idea. I'm no idea. Um, I don't know. I can't but... remember what it was. I can't remember what it was, but I remember saying, I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Cause I'm an all or nothing where I'm like, Oh, I could just like not drink at all, mm. period. Mm-hmm. I'm like, can I like moderately drink, which I think I do now. But even then when we were talking, I was like, oh man, could I say no to alcohol in a social situation where everyone is drinking? And I certainly have, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like that's still such a hard thing for people to do with the social pressure of it all. Yeah, totally. I think what we were saying about my clients was like their forbidden fruit. Oh yes. Means, like as soon as we say we can't do something, it's that's like right. all we think about and want to do. Yeah. That's right. Um, and that I actually have an easier time not doing something when I'm like, I totally can. I yes. totally can do it if I want to. Yeah. Because like keeping it elusively, like just out of reach, I'm like, but, 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 and I want to like negotiate and go after it. But yeah, I mean, I think that's really useful information to have about yourself though. And also you get to decide again, back to the results, right? Like same with the cookie. It's like the crisis isn't like, oh, if you're in a social situation, you're going to drink. It's like, is it creating results that you're not happy with, right? I may always prefer, like, I went on a first date with someone who completely doesn't drink, hasn't had a drink in 10 years. And it's like, I ordered a glass of wine and I had the thought, like, is this a problem, right? That like, he is drinking seltzer water and I'm drinking a glass of wine. And it's like, no, because I know I can stop. Like, I know that I can have one glass of wine and it's over for me. I don't have to have four in order to feel satisfied. I don't have to get to like drunk before I feel like I've sufficiently consumed wine. And if I'm forever someone who would prefer to have a glass of wine on a first date than not, it's like, that's not a problem because it's not creating a result in my life that I feel like it's problematic. Just like eating a cookie once a week or twice a week or once a day, even for something like right. crazy, have a cookie every day. But like, if you're not overweight for you, which like that is your thing to define, it's like, or if you're not having other health problems, like the, the eating the cookie is completely neutral and not a problem at all if it's not creating results that you're not happy with. Like the real reason yeah. to give up drinking in social situations is like, number one, if you've got a social situation every night and the way you drink is four drinks a night, right? You're going to start to feel pretty terrible every day. But if you've got a social situation once a month, and you have two glasses of wine while you're there, is that a problem? Is that creating results that you really want to change in your life? And can you be with yourself and compassionate in that moment where you're like, I do feel more comfortable in this situation, having two glasses of wine than not. And it's not a problem. I'm going to give Mm -hmm. myself grace. Just like every night at the end of the day, when we like sit down to like read a book or watch a show, it's not all like educational content, right? Sometimes we just want to watch something that feels good. (laughs) Please give me like some Real Housewives, whatever. (laughs) 
Yeah. Like all I want to do is watch Ted Lasso and cry. Exactly. I know. I'm so sad that shows come to a close. I think what I love so much about everything you just said, especially in the example where you're on a first date is it was all about you. It wasn't Mm -hmm. at all about what the person was thinking about you or, or anything. It was just like all about you. Like, this is what I want and this is how I feel. And I'm making a conscious choice and that's it. Totally. It's, It's so simple. Yeah. And I think before my break, first dates always meant get drunk. (laughs) And so for me, just being like, okay, I can be on a date with a sober person and have a drink because I know one drink won't end in seven and I'm drunk, right? It's like one drink is one because I know how to do none and feel the discomfort and not have it be a problem. So I think it's all about just like knowing that you have the ability to say no, even if in that moment you decide to say yes, because it is all about our choices. Yeah. It reminds me so much of another conversation I had with my friend, Natasha, how we were talking about uncomfortable uh, or difficult conversations. And Mm -hmm. she's like, I just decide that it's amazing for me. And I was like, this applies so much here. Like when you're in an uncomfortable or you're feeling discomfort, you're like, this Mm -hmm. is amazing for me. I've decided that. And that's just it. Or if you choose to drink, this is amazing for me. And that's what I've decided. And that's it. Yeah. We just simplify it. Totally. It's amazing for me, whatever it is. I love that so much. It's so much better than being like, I'm currently in this moment that is a problem. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, that feels so terrible. And when we feel trapped, I feel like that's when we grab at anything to feel better. Right. You're like a cornered Um, cat. You just like want to lash out or something and get out, right? You feel so bad. It's really fascinating. Well, this has been an awesome freaking conversation. I wish we recorded sooner. I was like, we should record this. This is so juicy. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm so glad. I think um, I'm fascinated by this topic mostly because like everything else in coaching, it's like, there's no one right answer. And yeah. And it used to be definitely during the months where I was sober, I was catching myself being a little bit rigid and like, there's no right answer in coaching, except when it comes to alcohol and there, like the right answers don't do it. And I felt again, sort of like beholden and a little bit controlled by like you were talking about potato chips. And so that's when you get to just be curious and find your way. So yeah, this was fun. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Of course. Thanks for joining this week on Thrive 9 to 5. If this episode hit home for you, because I know it did, join Thrive Weekly, a newsletter for people just like you who are looking to do success differently. The link to subscribe is in the show notes below. You can also follow along on Instagram at Celeste double underscore Harrington. And as always, subscribe to the Thrive 9 to 5 podcast so you can stay up to date as new episodes drop each week. I'll talk to you next time.